Welcome to the Everything Sports Podcast with Jay Bandy, where we reveal the little-known secrets of superstar athletes as they leave their glamorous careers behind and return to everyday life. Listen to actionable business tips and life-changing insights from these sporting heroes as they share their epic journeys with you. Now, here's your host, the CEO of Everything Sports, Jay Bandy. I'm very excited today to welcome our guest. He was born in Camperdown, New South Wales. He played a number of ARL and NRL matches between 1992 and 2004, playing for the Gold Coast Seagulls, Eastern Suburbs Roosters, South Queensland Crushers, Gold Coast Chargers, Penrith Panthers, and West Tigers, playing a total of 203 top-class games where he settled in at the Penrith Panthers between 1999 and 2003, where he played the bulk of his top-grade games, 118 in total. He won the first-grade player of the year in 2001 after an impressive season, and he's most likely to be remembered for his heroic moment in the 2003 NRL Grand Final, where he played lock forward and made one of the greatest tackles in rugby league Grand Final history. He made a try-saving tackle when he chased down and made a textbook tackle on Sydney Roosters winger Todd Byrne to send him over the sideline during the club's 18-6 victory over the Roosters. A superb effort considering he was a lock forward and Byrne was a winger. In 2003, he represented Queensland Maroons, becoming the second oldest player ever to represent Queensland, only behind the great Arthur Beetson. Since retiring from rugby league, he has worked in a number of roles in and out of rugby league, in 2006, he was football manager at the Gold Coast Titans before moving on to operating his own private investigating business. He also does commentary for Channel 9 and Crocs Media, and it's great pleasure. I welcome Scott Sattler. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Jay. Uh, great, to, great to be here, mate. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with, with former players and, and talk about, the, I suppose you could say, the good years and some of the bad years, but uh, it's always good to, to sit and, uh, and have a bit of a laugh. Uh, obviously, the uh, Todd Byrne tackle, mate, you get asked about that all the time. Pretty special moment in your life. And uh, I'm pretty sure that you get a lot of people wanting to talk to you about that. And... I have a lot of ex-Roosters or I have a lot of Roosters fans that, that stop me quite regularly. Actually, there'd be at least one or two a week. And especially during the footy season, when you go to the game, you commentate. When you do the Roosters games, I've um, I've been known to have food thrown at me when I've walked past the, uh, the chook pen. They, you know what? They um they got memories like elephants, the Roosters fans. Uh, but yeah, it's a great moment, great time in my life. Um, the experiences you go through and things you learn from success, I suppose. But I think a lot of times the things you learn from the the real data, you learn a lot more about yourself. I think when you then finally get some success as a, as a side and as an individual as well. So it's a um yeah, it's always a learning experience, isn't it? Rugby league, it's also bought some really good times. No, good. Yeah, I just uh, on one of the websites there, I've seen one of your quotes, uh, to accomplish great things, we must not only act, but must also dream and not only plan, but also believe. So uh, that's I know, one of your quotes. Yeah, I, mean, I was, Jay, I was always a guy that um, I suppose I wasn't naturally blessed with, you know, the skills of Andrew Johns or the, the step of Brad Fittler or anyone like that. But but what I did do really well throughout my career is I prepared really well. I always made sure that, um, you know, a really good message my father gave me. When I, d- I decided at about the age of 17 that I was 
going to do everything I possibly could to focus on something uh, around rugby league. And um, my father actually said to me, listen, he, he said, one thing, uh, one bit of advice I can give you is just make sure that you are one of the fittest guys on the field every time you take the field. So I always made sure that I prepared really well. And if you prepare really well for anything, whether it's rugby league, whether it's where it's life, whether it's your work, whether whether it's your family, if you prepare really well, a lot of times the outcomes, they come a little bit easier to you. Small levels of success come your way a lot easier than if you don't prepare. So I, I've always been, believed in, in being pretty fastidious when it comes to preparing for anything. Even life after football has, has all been about preparation. That's great insight there for our listeners out there that, uh, you know, preparation and just preparing and being the fittest on the field, you know, working hard to uh, at what you want to achieve, and that's great, mate. Thanks for that insight there. Just uh, with our uh, with our listeners, just like to um, if you can share with them why you think transitioning smoothly out of public life into life is so critical. Well, transitioning out of from rugby league in public life, I guess a little bit, aren't you there? Yeah, I suppose when you're in the media, I suppose you're always still in public life, but there's yeah, you know, you're not. I suppose you're not part of that immediate that immediate uh, focus that's on that's on you every day and every action that you make. You can sort of still fly under the radar a little bit. You know, I've always found Jade, and you would probably have felt this also when you retired. That sport was always has always been a really good conduit to life, business, life, family, whatever it may be. And getting out of rugby league is always tough, as you know. It being able to transition smoothly out of sport not only in public life but just transitioning as a whole is I was always a person that when I I actually volunteered a lot of my time last two years of my career I volunteered a lot of my time to uh, to the media just so I could learn as much as I possibly could for preparation that in one day that I do retire that hopefully I've learned enough and built up enough connections and uh, networked enough that I may be able to get a a role in rugby league somewhere. I was always going to stay in rugby league, to be quite honest. Um, transitioning out of public life was always going to be tough for me because I was born into rugby league as a kid. I was always going to be involved in rugby league in some capacity as a player, then as an official when I retired, and then moving into the media. So being in the public eye, having the last name I have, has probably been something that's been part of our family ever since I was born. So um, it's something that yeah, I've probably never transitioned out of. And to be quite honest, it's something that well, it's been part of my life for so long. It just it feels natural that that you're in the public eye, whether it's through media or just through your father's exploits, whatever it may be. That um, that's something I, I feel comfortable. And if ever, when it comes to the day that I have to be out of the public eye completely, ask me then and see what happens. Fifty-five, yeah, yeah, trying to find how to how to play lawn bowls or something like that. That's true. Like if the first guest I've had on that uh, has still got that media still in the public eye to an extent. As you said, not as, as big a focus day to day, but still have that public the media side of things. So the first, it's you know the other the other guests I've had they found it really difficult. And I think pointing out they're volunteering your time to do something you you want to possibly move into is like a key point. Like for it's I suppose a little bit easier having. A career and then knowing you're going to retire there's a lot of guys like you know, myself retired at 22 due to injury and, and a lot of my mates you know, played a handful of first grade games and, and retired because of injury or 
you know, didn't get another club or whatever. So I think for myself, having like a, a business course or a uni degree running alongside while I was playing footy, which I think they're doing really well now, but 15 years ago, it's 18 years ago now, like that wasn't really something that was done, I guess. So, um, which it's good. I suppose, I think they're still not ticking all the boxes. I think, I think they like to feel that the, the support and the opportunities that are there for sports people, especially rugby league people, is still not where it should be for life after football. I truly believe, Jay, that at the age of 18 or 19, I don't think you're allowed to play first grade until you've following a little bit of like the the American NFL model where you can't play any form of NFL until you've started your first two years of study or you know, in Australia, unless you've started your first two years of, a, of an apprenticeship or some sort of tertiary studies or some sort of full-time employment that, that remains stable. I still believe that uh, at the age of 18, 19, you shouldn't be allowed to play NRL first grade because, and many of you may say, but hang on a sec, we won't get to see Caelan Ponga play, but you'll see him play at 20 as a, a far more mature athlete that's had a few life experiences and hasn't come out of school straight into a first grade environment. And I think I think that prepares rugby league players for life after rugby league uh, when they've, they've got that grounding behind them first and foremost. It, it, may, it would make a, a much easier transition if they uh, do find themselves retired at 32, 33, or as opposed to retiring at 22, 24, when they've got yeah, sub- something substantial behind them. That's a good point you make there, because as I was saying before, like, a lot of my mates, were we were all finished by 21, 22. We'd come straight out of school, straight into the NRL system, pretty much straight into full time with no, as you said, no background or no uni degree or no tertiary education outside of schooling. Straight in, we're washed up by 21, 22, which was, for me, it was a very difficult time in my life. It took me four or five years to, to get back my confidence in myself and, and confidence in, you know, that I was, could achieve things in life, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, it's a big uh, shock for myself and a lot of my mates that I talked to that finished around that similar age. So my, that's, that's the first time I heard of that, the NFL model with you know, two years of tertiary education. That's, that's great and I think uh, a good move and something that the NRL definitely should be looking at for sure. They probably are. You don't know whether, uh, I suppose, when you've got a really good 18 and 19-year-old, as we know, and, and their, their ability to add so much to the, to the competition, like a Kalen Ponga, yeah. unfortunately that far outweighs what their long-term future is. And, yeah, everyone lives in the moment, unfortunately, in sport. And, and uh, you know, I, I've got a lot of my teammates, a, a lot of my former teammates that that are, that are still well, a couple that come to mind that still believe they're still in the frame of mind that they're too good to dig 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 trenches or pour concrete. You know, because they played for their state or they played for their country or they've won premierships and they can't they still can't transition into a nine to five job and can't understand why they're laying bricks because. You know, they've, they've had all these opportunities that have been put upon them that uh, they can't transition smoothly and can't understand why they're not earning the same money as what they were when, when they were playing rugby league. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really difficult for a lot of people, a lot of people, and, and I was no different. You know, I, I struggled when I first retired as well. Yeah, that's, that comes to the next question. I, I haven't, you're saying the short-sightedness and that of, NRL or rugby league or professional sports in general, I guess. But in episode three, if you want to go back and listen to it, Josh Stewart talks about NRL equals not real long. So, uh, which I give a chuckle at because it's definitely uh, pretty true. You know, even 
10 years, even if you do get like yourself a you know, 12-year career, like 12 years out of your life is, is not real long, to be honest, like in the whole scheme of things. No, it's not. And um, as you know, the, the injuries that come with it and the, the arthritis that comes with it in your early 30s and you know the rain's coming three or four days beforehand when your joints start blowing up and getting uh, getting sore and aching. So, yeah, there's a lot with it. But you know what? If you ask us to go through it all again at the age of 18 and 19, we'd line up straight away. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. Definitely, mate, for sure. You've touched on a few points already about this, but how would you describe the process of transitioning for yourself? Uh, and you said there was a couple of years there where you did struggle. You know, even though that, even though that I, as I said, I volunteered in the media with Two GB and Channel Nine and those sort of things in my last couple of years of rugby league, and and when I retired, I, I had a job with Fox Sports in my first year out, which I was very fortunate and very lucky to get. But again, I, I really worked hard to try and educate myself and train myself in, in the media to try and get that opportunity. And then I was appointed the general manager of rugby league at the Gold Coast Titans in 2005, when my, the year after I retired. And I, I held that position for four years in, into the entry into the competition in 2017 with the Titans as well. So you know, from a professional side of life, from the outside looking in, everyone was saying, hey, listen, he's transitioned really well. He's a good media job. He's got a great job in rugby league, in operations, which you know I've always wanted to do. And but inside and internally and emotionally, I was I was um, I was torn up because I was you know even though I still felt as though I probably couldn't play at that level again because of my knee, yeah. I was still just missing. As every rugby league player will say, you just miss you miss the the banter. You miss <laughs> you miss being paid. You miss being paid good money to train full time and hang around your mates. Yeah, and that sounds really shallow and deep when you're in your early thirties and you think. And won't you just grow up and mature? But it's going to be part of your life for so long. It's you know, it's like a drug. It is. It's like an addictive drug that you just can't get off it. You've got to go through cold turkey and and try and get out the other side. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. In two thousand and four was my last year, and and we had made the grand final that year. And and I was sitting at breakfast on the morning of the grand final. I was going to do a function that day for the grand final. I was having breakfast, and Wayne Bennett and his wife they arrived, and and his wife Trish and his former wife, Trish, and he said, oh, you might sit down. And I said, yeah, no worries. So we sat down and had brekkie, and he said, what are you going to do now you're retired? And I said, I don't know. I think I'm going to go buy a business. I was going to buy a franchise. And um, I was going to buy a franchise in coffee, and a friend of mine said, don't go into coffee because no one's going to be drinking it in 10 years. (laughs) It was the worst advice I ever accepted. But um, he said, and I remember Wayne Bennett said to me, can I give you a bit of advice? I said, yeah. He said, for the next 12 months, just find your feet. Go and work for someone and earn a wage and get used to getting into the system of nine to five and going home and having dinner with your family and, and just doing all those normal things that, that people do, he said, because you've been leading an extraordinary you know, last 12 years, which normal people don't get to experience. And I took that on board. I didn't go down that way of getting my own business. So I ended up accepting the job at the Titans and, and worked for someone and you know received a wage and and you know, received your super, and you know, got your four weeks holiday and your sick days each yeah. year, and, and I got feedback on the ground. And even though I was, I was struggling internally, emotionally, and struggling in a way that you know I felt as though that I needed professional help, and which yeah. I sought. Yeah. I, I'm just glad I did that. I took the advice and and I went and worked for someone else and found my feet again. And then you know, after about 12 months, I 
I got myself going again and and felt as though I was I was a little bit confident in, in my in the way that I was I was dealing with life after football and I felt as though that I didn't need I didn't need the the uh, company of all my former teammates anymore and and I, I tended to sort of get back on the horse really quickly so it was that it was that piece of advice that that Wayne gave me and it was it was it was advice also to say that you know, it doesn't matter how much you're going to earn for your first couple of years out of footy, just go and work for someone. Just make sure you can pay the bills, feed your family, and you know be able to be able to go on a holiday, you know, with your family you know, once a year. But just get your feet on the ground and get some normality back in your life. And I, I don't know where I'd be right now if I did go into business and try to challenge myself. And and yeah. um, even though you learn a lot of things in rugby league and in sport that that then transfer into into business and life. You've still got to work a lot harder in business to try and pay the bills. So yeah. I don't know where I'd be right now, Jay, if I if I would have bought my own business and and had to go through those struggles both emotionally and financially, trying to find a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, for sure, mate. That's um, mentor. Each each of the guys that I've interviewed have all said find a mentor and get a couple. You know, seek advice from people more experienced and more knowledgeable. And you found someone probably none better than Wayne Bennett there. So uh, good you followed his advice and uh coming out the other side doing what you're doing now mate because you're kicking some goals there so that's great mm. what was the uh, biggest challenge you think uh, and how did you overcome the biggest challenge i suppose you, you mentioned you know living a normal life and away from the boys and all that but, like is there anything else around that that um your biggest challenge that you faced uh biggest challenge i faced was finding another high yeah you got you go to training every day and your adrenaline's pumping and then you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you get to run out in front of you know, anywhere from twenty to eighty thousand people, and <laughs> and you get to celebrate, and then you get to commiserate when you lose, and and so finding another high that was that was really difficult for me, and and being used to relying on other people around you to to make you feel good as well, I really struggled with yeah trying to find where I was going to get that that adrenaline again, yeah, you know, and and financially as well, you know. Even though we were played well back then, compared to now, it's you know you you don't even reach the average rate now. With some of the players that are pl- that are earning now, but in saying that, you know you you, you tend to think you're travelling along okay, but when you retire and you and you and you feel as though you've invested okay, you've you've still got bills to pay, and and so financially, trying to find uh, the right balance of being able to being able to live a quality life, and and yeah, from the out outside in everyone feels as though you're living comfortably and living in mansions and yeah. waterfalls everywhere but it's so far from the case so you know first and foremost it was finding that find that balance in your life where you weren't relying on your teammates to pump your tires up and make you feel good you know emotionally and um and then trying to find that from somewhere else and and when you don't get that and you're missing it and then then you watch the footy on a friday night and you see yeah, your former teammates all celebrating and, you know, when a try scored, you go, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Could I do it again for another year? Oh, maybe I could. And uh, It's like a boxer. And, the, you know, boxers keep going back when they retire and, yeah. and you know, they keep getting into their 40s because they just they can't find that, that next high. And I suppose that's what I struggled with. I struggled um, – I didn't struggle as bad as what a lot of people did, do. Yeah. I did um, – well, I struggled in the sense that, um, yeah, I was just trying to find that camaraderie. You know, you've got your family and your family time, but I was just trying to find that camaraderie outside of outside of rugby league. You know, because I'm a boy that grew up with his wife on the Gold Coast. Basically, after we finished our last game in 04 and we had Mad Monday, I had the 
removalist truck move come in on the Wednesday and really pack up everything and, and move back to the Gold Coast. So being away from that immediate circle of friends that you've had for so many years and have to sort of start again was really tough. Yeah. And planting those seeds to start your next life is, was a really, really um, tough thing to do. Yeah, definitely. What, uh, and you say fun in the high, but, you know, as you said, in rugby league, having the, you know, 20,000, 30,000 screaming fans on the weekend for a game, that was the high back then. Have you found something that you do now that kind of gives you a similar, it's never going to be the same, obviously, but yep. um, have you found anything that, um, you know, for our listeners out there or, you know, past players that they can draw on um, through yeah, transition? I found, um, I got into coaching yep. and I got into coaching uh, just in a, a local Countryside, coaching a, a Northern Rivers Northern Rivers representative side, first grade side, and I just found if I could one use my knowledge that that I'd gained over the years, and two, you know, throw my personality amongst a group of young rugby league players, and um, hopefully help them along the way. But also, it was it was really it was really also for myself where I wanted to get involved in the team environment again, and and you know, smell that liniment in the <laughs> in the dressing sheds before the game, and. And um, yeah, ride the highs with the players, and ride the lows with them as well, and and try and taste a little bit of success, and and therefore you know create all these this another network of you know young men where you can spend a lot of your quality time with them, and and hopefully educate them and in, in what you know. So you know, I found that coaching has been fantastic okay. as well. You know, I'm I'm probably a little bit more fortunate. A lot of people too, Jay, where you get to do the media and you. you you get to go to NRL games every weekend still and you get to interview the players and you get to go on the dressing sheds and, yeah, you, you still, you know, you, you never know, mate. I, I still might go through another period when I have to, when the, the media is finished one day and you're not actually working in any form of rugby league and yep. I may end up going through another another period of my life where I'm I'm trying to pick myself up and, and find out, you know, where I get that that fix again, that camaraderie. And, yeah. and, uh, and so, yeah, but I think I'll be a lot more, Obviously, a, a lot more mature in the uh, in the way that I've been able to handle the last sort of 15, 14 years, and and hopefully it'll come in good stead if that happens. No, definitely, mate. That's uh, that's great. So, um, the coaching, imparting your knowledge and what you've learned over the years from the great coaches you've had um, back into the local footy, and that's I think one thing that should happen more often, which doesn't happen, but be good to get you know, ex NRL players returning to the country town to play a couple of games, or you know, once you're a bit older, just Doing coaching and helping out—that's great. So your retirement from uh, the NRL was it was your decision? It was your own decision to do that, or was it injury? I know you said your knee, given your problems, was that kind of forced upon you? Could have you gone another couple of years, or that was that yeah. was that was you? I don't know. Um, it was a decision that I made. My last year was at the West Tigers, and we had a really good year in '03 at the Panthers, and then when we won the premiership. And then I had to go to the Tigers in 04 because of salary cap and I was 31 years of age and 32. And, and so I signed two years for the West Tigers. And in 04, about eight games to go before the end of the season, I was running back in defence against Melbourne at Leichhardt over one night. My knee just locked up. I had a left knee. that It didn't stop me from training. It didn't stop me from playing. But the first two or three days after a game, it was you know, it used to be swollen and I didn't get a lot of movement out of it. I was in a lot of discomfort, and yeah. and I um it just locked up, and I hit the ground, and and then it happened again at training the following week, and I remember just sort of sitting there and thinking, you know, what well, I don't think I'll go through another full preseason, and I don't think I'll go through a I don't think I'll go through another 
full season when I've got no power in my legs and we had these young players just, you know, throwing us around like rag dolls. And, and um, there's a young kid that came into first grade that year by the name of Sonny Bill Williams who just you know, was treating everyone like um, like uh, bullies, you know. And yeah. I remember saying to the to the coach, Tim Sheens, and the, and the CEO, Steve Noyce, two great men, and they, and they just said, listen, just if you're going to retire, retire, but just have a good break, have November off, and then we'll talk to you. December, if you want to come back in 2005, and uh, I was captain in 2004 or most of the year, and in 2005 I was going to be the captain, and and I got to the end of November, and my no, knee was feeling no good. I went for a couple of runs, and it still wasn't feeling great. And I remember talking to Tim Machines, and he said, "Listen, you won't have to train all week; just train the last session and and play the game." And and that's not the way that I used to like to prepare for my rugby league games. If if I didn't train for a week, I just felt as though I was going in underdone, and it would have would have played with my head. So I decided not to. And, and they had got a lot of good young players coming through, like Liam Fulton and Bryce Gibbs and Robbie Barrow. And it was probably better to give them the money than, than me sit around and, and maybe play 10 or 15 games. You don't know. But what the worst part about 2005 is that the West Tigers went on to win the competition. Yeah, so I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, right, what about, you would have had two out there, but, you know, you want to know and, you know, things, things are what they are and you wouldn't probably be where you are today. If that yeah, happened, you know, so. yeah. So, in the end, it was my decision, and I was happy with my decision. It's only been it's been you know fourteen years now, and it's gone quite quickly. But you know, you like again, like boxes, they they keep going back for yeah. all the wrong reasons, and we start going back to things for the wrong reasons. I think it's a, I think it's a decision that you continue to make throughout your life if you continue making decisions for the wrong reasons, and you get a bad result. Yeah, that's right. No, definitely, mate. That's a good point as well. You're responsible for everything that you do. Or well, I take that point of view that I'm responsible for where I am and who I am today. You know, so uh, mm. that's, that's good, mate. Just um, what are there any quick wins or some actions listeners can take away from a conversation to help them in their own lives? It's I guess you mentioned a few of them there, like a bit of finding a balance, finding yeah, finding another high. I guess like finding something else to a bit of a passion. Yeah, one of the best pieces of advice that. I remember I was given was find a third place. And I, I remember when I heard that for the first time, a, a, a very good friend of mine. Now, you, you've got to find a really good, as you mentioned before, you've got to find a good mentor in sport. But if you can find a really good mentor in life, someone who, you know, there's a difference between friends and mentors. You know, friends will tell you what you want to hear. And sometimes mentors will tell you what you don't want to hear. And which is probably where you learn a lot of your life skills when you, when you have someone in your life that has the ability to tell you what you don't want to hear sometimes. And and I remember um, this very good friend of mine who's still one of my very closest friends today, um, he said to me, yeah, you've got to find your third place. And I said, what's your third place? He said, well, you've got your work. And he said, yeah, that motivates you in one area of your life. Then you've got your family and your kids. You know, that that's another part of your life. But your third place is just your place. Yeah, right. That's the place where you go to. And and it might be, you know, for some people it's fishing, some going to the gym. For some people it's um you know, whatever hobby they've got is their third place where it doesn't really involve their family. It doesn't involve their work. It's just their time and, and it gives you an overall balance. And it took me a while to find out what my third place was. And mine was, I've always been a real big boxing fan yeah. and always been a boxing fan ever since I was about 12 or 13. And so spending a lot of time in the boxing ring and doing a lot of sparring and a lot of training. And that was my third place. That's where I actually started finding that that was my time. And it's where I, it's where a lot of the times you you 
find a lot of clarity as well. So, yeah, for everyone else, it's different. You know, like I said, some people find fishing is just their third place. So, you know, one bit of advice I've got given with the transition from rugby league is find a third place. And when you find that third place, which is just your place, I find that you get a little bit more clarity in life. And some people's third place is just going with their mates and going doing something, and it's just them. Yep. That's their third place, but that's that's what makes them feel good. So, you know, I found I stand, found a little bit more I found, as I said, a little bit more clarity in life when I found my third place. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one there, yeah, third place. I've, I haven't heard that one before, so I'll look at taking that one on board myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finding a mentor in life and, and to tell you the tell you, you know, the things you probably don't want to hear, but need you need to be told, I guess, if you want to improve or move forward and grow in life, I guess. Yeah, it was a, it's the brutal honesty. Sometimes people don't like the brutal honesty in life, and you know, sometimes we always – we always feel as though it's, you know, why me, why me, why me? And if you if you stop taking the why me view on life and start thinking outwardly towards other people, well, I think you you get over things a lot easier. Now, one of our very good conditioners that I had at Penrith one year used to always say, if you can't change the situation, change your attitude. I've always taken that on in the like part of my life of, you know, if I can't change anything, well, I might need to make change my attitude and accept it. But if I can change it, we'll do something about it. So, That's you know, it's just only a couple, couple of little um, areas that were forecast to me very early on that, that I've found in life after rugby league has really helped me. Yeah, good, mate. That's great stuff there. Are there any books or events or movies or courses that you've done that had the greatest impact on you and, and why after your transition or through your transition that helped you through that phase in your life or uh, you haven't quite? Yeah. Yeah, I did a um, I did a professional development course, which was about two or three years after rugby league, and my professional development was and 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 personal development actually is about you know, breaking down you and what represents you and and who you are, identifying who you are, what your personality is, and what sort of people your personality, um, what sort of people that generates. So I felt yeah that was that was really uh, resourceful for me. I, I think you always got to understand business. I think if you do some form of business training, I think it's always just a really good link to all parts of life. So I think it's it's really a good core core industry business as a whole where you can then branch out and whatever you need to do. But if you can understand the, the core specifics of business, you, you're you're on the right path. Yeah, books. Um, because we love sport, and like I said, con- uh, sport is such a great conduit to to sport and life. I've read a lot of good books over over my time, and some of the ones I suppose Wayne Bennett's uh, book "Don't Die with the Music in You" is probably one of the best ones you can read. It's got really good life lessons uh, about sport, and also simulate that to everyday life. It's very good to correlate between the two. Don't die with the music in you. There's an NFL coach by the name of Pat Carroll. Um, Pete Carroll, sorry, who who was a coach of the Seattle Seahawks, and he's got one called Forever Winning. And Forever Winning, Forever Winning is another book also that that tries to tries to marry up life and sport as well. And and um, another really good one that I've, that I've read is one called Redemption, which was is a story about the 2007 All Blacks who got knocked out in the quarterfinal of the World Cup by France. Which, as we know, the All Blacks that never happens to the All Blacks, but it's the it's the changes that they made internally, individually, and and as a and as an organisation as a whole over the next four years leading up to the 2011 World Cup where they won in New Zealand. Um, and it's a really good eye opener to. Uh, life after sport and how you can individually look at the different principles in life that that you can put into practice and work 
Um, if you've got your own, if you've got your own little business or a big business, it's the importance about communication and work ethic and resilience and conflict resolution. It's a really good book about um, about how to how to draw from sport and the experiences you have in sport and the failures that you have in sport and how you can turn those around really quickly and and all of a sudden find success. Yeah, cool. Mate. I haven't read. I've heard about that book actually, but uh, definitely after that little uh, recommendation, mate, I'm going to go and grab it for sure. And don't listen to a lot of audio books actually in the while I'm driving in the car and stuff like that. And there's uh, quite a few of late that I've been listening to, but I'm going to definitely chuck that one on the list to. Uh, Jay, have you heard of a book called uh, Grit? G R I T. No. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. It's only just come out. It's a it's a young lady who's um, who did a who did a study into how to transfer the 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 sports, the principles of sport into business. Okay. Yeah, it's a very good book. I truly believe that every professional sports person should read it two years before they retire. Yeah, good. That's um, no, that's what we're about here on the podcast and what, what I'm doing this for. So definitely I'll put that one at the top of the list and make a note of that. Definitely uh, promote that a bit more, yeah, for sure. Thanks for that, mate. That's a lot of great insights there. The professional development course, was it any course in particular or have you... Uh, yeah, well, there's a there's a um, there's a, uh, a a very good guy that um, travels all around Australia. He's based uh, up in the northern New South Wales region. His name's Brian Fitzpatrick. He uh, he can be googled. He has these fantastic interactive. So it's not all about sitting and thinking and looking at a whiteboard about theory. It's it's all right brain. It's all it's all moving parts and and practical practical training about understanding who you are as a person and identifying the the people that have a, have a bad influence in your life and a good influence on your life and and just a different way to look at life in general and then you can therefore transfer that to whatever job you're in or if you're a manager or you're trying to be a manager or he's a tremendous facilitator yep. and has done a lot of work with the Australian hockey teams over the years as we know it's been one of our most successful sporting teams for many many years the hockey teams the men and the women so yeah Brian Fitzpatrick he's a um a tremendous facilitator and can be googled at any time and yep. if you made contact with him he'd be more than happy to to reply and tell you about what services he could he could uh we could assist you with he he does it individually. He does it with groups. He does it with corporates. He does it with small businesses. It's yeah, it's, it's really insightful. Really insightful um, view that he takes on on how to deal with you know, chapters of your life. Cool, mate. That's great, Brian Fitzpatrick. So uh, I'm making note of that as well. I know. Yeah, I did a. It's funny. I got through a bit of a tough time when I retired there at you know, 22, thinking I had another eight, nine, ten years to go in the game. And I, someone said, mate, you. Down at the doldrums, like it's not like you. You're always pretty happy, smiling. They said, "Mate, go and do the Anthony Robbins course." And I said, "Who's Anthony Robbins?" Like being a footballer, I didn't look at anything really outside of footy. Just had focus for footy, and so I went and did the Unleash the Power Within in 2003, and ran into another footy player there that was going through the same thing. Daniel Irvine, who played at the Eels, went on to coaching and stuff like that, and ran into him and we were both going through the same stuff at the same time and it was funny that we both did this course and we're still good mates today we you know played together at the eels and but that got me through and gave me a bit of confidence and and stuff back which i i lost when footy was gone i guess so um you know anthony robert i speak highly of that course it, it pulled me out of what i was in and uh gave me a new perspective on life i guess well it's about it's about just understanding that everyone's got something in them everyone's got it it's just about having the courage to to let it out you know it's a um a very 
a, a mentor that a guy that I look up to greatly is, a, is John Lang, my former coach at Penrith. And I remember once he said, everything is about 30 seconds of courage. If you're going to go speak in front of someone, it's the first 30 seconds that will start you off. If you just take a deep breath and you get take give yourself 30 seconds to do whatever, well, once you're into that 30 seconds, you're on your way. You're ready to go. Yeah. But if you don't start that 30 seconds at all, you'll you'll always take the easy easy option. And I've always thought about that. And, you know, people that I talk to that are, that are very nervous about public speaking or getting up and emceeing or talking in front of people, I always say to them, just give yourself the first 30 seconds of courage. Give yourself 30 seconds. Just know what you're going to talk about. And when you start in that first 30 seconds, take a big, deep breath and then just start. Well, then you're already into it. And you know, the rest is easy. You just got to get over that first hump. And when you get over that first hump, you're on your way. And it's it's like that in anything. It's 30 seconds of courage. If you've got the courage just to release it That's for 30 awesome. seconds, well, it's out. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, John Lang for sure. Um, I've just finished listening to an audio book by Mel Robbins, the five second rule, and she's pretty much very similar to what you were talking about there. The thirty seconds, she's saying it's five seconds, five, five, four, three, two, and launch into doing these podcasts, for example. Like it's not it's out of my comfort zone, but I'm actually growing into enjoying it and getting a lot out of it for myself. But hopefully uh, the listeners out there get something from it as well, from interviewing great people like yourself and you know, Josh Stewart and Jason Deeth. And we've got a few uh, special guests coming up as well. Big Adrian Morley has agreed to come on. So got some high quality guests like yourself coming on. So getting a buzz out of that. But if I didn't have yeah. that, you know, 30 seconds of, you know, courage or five second to uh, just have a crack and do it and get over myself and my, my own insecurities wouldn't wouldn't happen, you know. So well, you'd like to think when we played rugby league, Jay, if you sat back and waited for the game to come to you, well, before <laughs> you know it, the scoreboard blows out. You've your involvement is not as what it's what it's expected, and you play yourself out of the game. Whereas if you're, you know, the first thirty seconds of the game, if you get yourself involved in some way, whether it's you know, getting out of the line and making a really good tackle or getting in the marker and making a double effort or running the ball up in the first 30 seconds or even if you're not going to get the ball but you run up really hard as a support player, you're getting yourself into the game. So if once yourself you get yourself into the game with, with a really early involvement, well, you know you're, you're right. You're in the right frame of mind. Like I'm, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do. But if you sit back and wait, well, the game just plays out in front of you. Yeah, that's right, mate. No, I definitely agree there for sure. How do our listeners find out more about uh, Scott Sattler and uh, is there anything more you'd like to add before you say goodbye? Uh, I'm not any, quite sure. We've, business you know, we've, have you got you know, got your own private investigative business? Um, yeah, it's outside of the media. I, I, I um, comment on media who have got the rights to NRA games for NRA games every weekend, so themselves and Triple M. So I call that throughout New South Wales and Queensland every weekend. I commentate for Channel 9. In the Intrust Super Cup, which is the the Queensland version of the the second tier competition, which is televised every Saturday, and as you said, I've got my own private investigation company as well, which um, has always been a passion of mine for a long time. And my my company, Complete Corporate Services, we uh, we investigate everything from criminal conduct through to um, insurance fraud, uh, surveillance, locating people of interest. Um, factual evidence gathering um so yeah we do pretty much everything whether it's corporate through to you know to private enterprise so yeah it's uh it's a busy lifestyle at the moment and um you wouldn't have it any other way a couple of young kids in there mate you're a busy man yeah exactly yeah. all right mate no that's great well uh thanks for your time it's awesome getting someone in of yourself you know a former 
NRL player, but Premiership winner, Queensland State of Origin player. Won't hold that against you. Been a proud New South Welshman. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just a bit of a recap, you know, for our guests out there to uh, be the fittest on the field, work hard, really prepare well, uh, volunteering your time in the last two years of your NRL career. That's kind of no one does it. Everyone wants everyone wants a dollar for a, an hour. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. to volunteer your time, that's yeah. You know, it's mate, that's awesome and, and something people should do more of, I think myself as well. Following the NFL model, the NRL could probably look at doing that two years into their tertiary education before they can play NRL, AFL, you know, with um, got cricketers, Nathan Bracken's coming on. I've got all types of sports guys coming on here. So it's not only rugby league, but you know, they could all look at doing that as well. Wayne Bennett, get some mentors. You've got a quite a few there that you mentioned, John Lang, Wayne Bennett. And yeah, you know, some books, professional development course, Brian Fitzpatrick, the Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett book, Don't Die with the Music Inside You, and a, and a couple other books there. Yeah, but other than that, mate, that's that's some awesome stuff there for our listeners can take away and learn from, and hopefully uh, implement in their own lives and improve where they are and where they're heading. And they yeah, really appreciate your time, Scott, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, anytime, Jay. Thanks very much. All right, thanks, Scott. No worries, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Everything Sports Podcast, the podcast which consistently provides actionable business tips and life-changing insights from high-performance athletes. You can access all the information related to this episode via the show notes at www.everythingsports.com slash podcast. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Jay will answer in upcoming episodes. How can Jay help you today?